Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. That's On a Monday! It's all leaving with your boy, Barry Grant. You can catch me on Instagram and Twitter at All Even Podcast. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud as well as YouTube. So like, share, and subscribe to that. I can't wait to get in this show today. It was a beautiful weekend. It's a beautiful Monday. NFL Sundays are back. We had a lot of good games. We're going to go into those. The NBA playoffs are getting very interesting, especially in one particular series. The Mets have been sold. We're going to talk Jets football as well. And then we have our first candidate for the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. So let's just jump right into it. What a Sunday it was for the NFL. We had a lot of great games, but I just want to get into a few of those games. I want to talk about the Cowboys and the Rams. I want to talk about the Eagles versus the Washington football team, as well as the game of the week, which was the Saints versus the Bucks. Now, week one always gives us certain things to dissect. And look forward to. We always play Monday morning quarterback and say, this team is terrible. This team is bad. This team is great. And look, it may be an overreaction. But week one gives us a lot of information. Let's take the Eagles and the Washington football team for an example. Washington wins this game 27 to 17. It was a total defensive domination by the Washington football team. The Eagles couldn't get anything done. Carson Wentz was 24 for 42 for 270 yards, two touchdowns, and two picks. And he was on his back more than the Lady of the Night. He was getting beat up. Eight sacks on Carson Wentz. What's going on with that offensive line? What is going on with their skill positions? What is going on with this particular team? They did not look sharp. They did not look like they had any confidence. Carson Wentz looked like a middle-of-the-road quarterback. He looked like a journeyman yesterday. It was, it was really, really bad. But are we really surprised in regards to what we're seeing with Philadelphia? I mean, they struggled all last season. They did not look good last season. The only reason why they got into the playoffs is because the Dallas Cowboys were that inept towards the ending of the season. So we're talking about a team that's literally struggled for the past year and change. What can they do to turn this around? It starts with the quarterback. Carson Wentz was really bad yesterday. They have to get him right. If he's going to be this inconsistent and look like a quarterback that has never played an NFL game before, the Eagles have big problems. He is supposed to be the guy, the leader, but he doesn't look like that. He doesn't come off as a confident quarterback to me. He never has. Nick Foles was a confident guy when he stepped in there. 
This guy has never shown that type of confidence, that type of swag. He just doesn't have it. He really doesn't. He has the physical tools, but he just doesn't have it. And in regards to Washington, Washington's defense was just all over the place. I love the way they looked. They looked electric. They looked fast. They put Carson Wentz on his back like he was a wrestler. <laughs> Man, it was great to see him get sacked that many times. I, I didn't feel sorry for him. Maybe after maybe after the, the fifth one, I was like, damn, this is, this is pretty bad. But the first four, eh, I'm, I was okay with it. But the offense, the offense was nothing to talk about. I mean, Haskins had 178 yards, a touchdown, passer rating of 82 and a half. Nobody else did anything offensively. It was all the defense. So can this team be able to ride this defensive wave? Can they be this type of team where they are telling Haskins not to turn the ball over, be a game manager, let the defense dictate the pace of the game and make a couple passes and win the game? They can be able to sustain that. It's a formula that a lot of teams have won with in the past. Can they do that in the NFC East? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not impressed by the NFC East right now. So anything's possible. It may be wide open. Who knows? Turning our attention to the Sunday night game, which was the Rams versus the Cowboys. Rams win this game 20 to 17. Jared Goff ends up throwing 275 yards. Malcolm Brown looked like Marshall Falk last night. Couldn't be stopped. He had 18 rushes, 79 yards, two touchdowns. Robert Woods had a big game. Robert Woods had six catches and 105 yards. So the Dallas Cowboys could not stop the Rams last night. Nothing that they did was that effective. But for some reason, the Cowboys could not get them off the field. They lost time of possession 35 to 25. That just tells you the dominance that they had. And the dominance was basically in the first half. They controlled the game. They controlled the line of scrimmage. The offensive line was playing great all night. They were getting basically whatever they wanted. They were pushing. They were pushing the, the pile forward. There was nothing that the Dallas Cowboys could do. But I will tell you this. Alden Smith, he looked great on the defensive end for Dallas. And Dallas had a ton of injuries in this game. They lost two guys. They lost Leighton Vander Esch with a broken collarbone. He's going to be out six to eight weeks. And they lost their tight end, Blake Jarwin, to a torn ACL. So the Cowboys have big, big problems, especially with that offensive line. That right tackle, Terrence Steele, listen, he's an undrafted rookie. He may get better. He tried the battle last night, but they there was nothing more that they can really do. There was no time for Dak to throw the ball. He was not good in the second half of the game. Second half, I think he was 10 for 21 for like 75 yards passing. You cannot win a football game like that. You cannot win a football game going 3 for 12 on third down. There's no way you're going to win a football game like that. They didn't turn the ball over last night. But if you're 3 for 12 on third down, you're not winning much football games. And they just didn't look sharp. Their execution, the play calling, everything just did not look right. Ezekiel Elliott, he had a good game. Ezekiel Elliott, he was 22 carries, 96 yards and a touchdown. He also had a reception touchdown. Pollard looked good. Amari Cooper had 10 catches for 81 yards, but he was getting nothing downfield. There was great defense last night. But the play of the night was the pass interference call on Michael Gallup. There was no way that was a pass interference call. That was a nice Patrick Beverly style flop by Jalen Ramsey. It was good. 
Kudos to him. I respect it in regards to trying to sway the, the ref's attention. He did his job, but that is not pass interference. That is not pass interference. He did not extend the hand. He did not do that. They were fighting for the ball. They were fighting for position. That is okay. That is allowed. That is not a pass interference. These refs, it's week one. They're going to get better, hopefully, but we all know that these refs sometimes look like they're watching the game with bifocals on. I don't know what they see. I don't understand what they see. I don't even care what they see. Just fix it. Just fix it because we're tired of the screw-ups. We're just tired of the screw-ups. I wasn't too impressed with Mike Nolan's defense, but Alden Smith, he was a beast. Alden Smith was all over the place. I, I love what I saw from him, but can we get something out of Mr. Lawrence, please? He is so ineffective. The guy is making $100 million, and he can't get to the quarterback. Mike Nolan has to find a way to get him to be effective, get him to be a part of the game plan because he's a no-show. He's a nobody out there right now. And another thing, it's very frustrating to watch Kellen Moore call plays. Very vanilla play calling last night. Very, very vanilla play calling. I need to see more RPO. I need to see Dak being flushed out of the pocket more. I need to see a little bit more creativity in this offense for us to believe that Dallas has a chance to win the division or get to the playoffs. But right now, for what I'm seeing, it's the same vanilla offense that it was last year. Hand the ball to Zeke on first down. Hand the ball to Zeke on second down. Now you have third and five. And then it's a short dump. We need to see more stylistic stuff from this team. They have too many skilled position players to be playing a vanilla style type of offense. They have to open it up. And I can... Bet you this, if Mike McCarthy feels that Kellen Moore is not doing what he wants him to do, Mike McCarthy will start calling plays. Best believe that. But for the, for the Rams, listen, kudos to them. They picked up a big win. I don't see that this team can really compete going forward. I can see them possibly winning eight games this year. I don't see anything more than that. Sean McVay is a great offensive mind, but it's really going to take a genius effort to see if he can be able to get this team to the playoffs. We'll see. We'll see. And that brings us to the geriatric bowl between the Tampa Bay Bucks and the New Orleans Saints. Saints win this game 34-23. to And honestly, this was an ugly game. Tom Brady looked terrible. He was 23 for 36 for 239 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. The line looks decent, but the game told another story Tom Brady threw a pick six he threw another one that was nobody was in the area and you can tell that Brady does not understand the nuances of this offense yet everybody thinks that oh Tom Brady's been in the league 20 plus years he's he knows every defense he he can be able to figure out any playbook wrong wrong you need time to be able to study and know a playbook back and front Tom Brady is still developing that comfort level with the playbook, but also he just didn't look sharp. His arm strength, all that talk I was I was hearing about the arm strength, Brady, Brady's arm strength never looked better. It looks stronger than it's ever been. Bullshit. Noodle arm. Noodle arm Tom is what I saw. You know, my, me and my friend had a conversation the other day, and he just said an outlandish statement. Yo, I think the, the, I think the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to win the Super Bowl. So I asked him, I said, well, well, why do you say that? Oh, I, I, it's, just, it's just my opinion. 
Okay, but you're saying that based on what? Well, I- I'm just saying it. Like, you, you got to have some facts. What gives you that knowledge that they're going to win the Super Bowl? Just because they signed a whole bunch of people and they look good on paper? This is one sport that it does not matter who you sign. It has to make sense. The defense, the offense have to be in sync. Everybody has to have some chemistry. You have to avoid major injury. The coaching staff has to be on point. Everything has to work for you to be a successful Super Bowl team. This does not look like a Super Bowl team right now. And honestly, I don't think that they're going to look like a Super Bowl team. They're not the best team in the NFC South. It's the Saints. Clearly, it's the Saints. The defense that the Saints put on the Bucs, it was a clinic. Marshawn Lattimore, that secondary is, is phenomenal. Tom Brady couldn't go nowhere with the ball. And that dink and dump bullshit that he was doing in, in New England, it's not going to happen in the NFC South. He needs to make sure that he's throwing the ball downfield. He has downfield receivers. And that dink and dump crap is not going to work. He looked confused. <laughs> Tom Brady was on the sideline looking like, man, I, I made a huge mistake. This, this is not what I thought it would be. <laughs> oh, man. I can't with people, man. This is why sometimes you don't talk football with certain people. You just let them speak. Because they say some things that are just asinine. It just doesn't make sense. Pro Football Focus said that Tom Brady had the worst receiving core in all of football last year. And that's probably why his numbers were down across the board. I don't think so. I just think that Tom Brady's old as fuck. That's what I think. I think he's old. I think he's showing his age. And listen, he's going to be serviceable. He's not terrible. He's not Peyton Manning in his last year. He's going to be serviceable, but the interception rate is going to go up. The miscues on offense are going to go up. The inability to escape pressure is going to go up. Everything at age 43 is going to be a challenge for Thomas Brady. That's just the way it is. And where the hell was Gronkowski at? He was on vacation yesterday? Did he actually play? (laughs) On the Saints side, Drew Brees didn't look that much better. He was 18 for 30 for 160-something yards. So the offense will catch up to the defense. Obviously, it's always like that for some teams, vice versa for other teams. So as I said, week one can be able to tell you certain stories. It can be able to give you a roadmap in regards to what to look for. And what I can look for in regards to the Saints is that they're going to get better offensively. The defense is going to be good. They have a great pass rush. Alvin Kamara is going to have a good year. The Saints are going to be right where they want to be on top of the NFC South. For the Bucks, I can see Bruce Arians calling out Tom Brady in the media more often than not, making mistakes. They can't afford that. And them finishing 8-8, eight and eight, maybe 9-7. and seven. So, I, I don't see the big hoopla about this team. I just think that they're an average team. They're, eh. And Tom Brady, he scares me. When he falls, he drops in stages. <laughs> Yo, he falls in stages. Why would you subject yourself to this type of beating at age 43? You should be home with your kids. Sit your old ass down, man. He's so desperate to prove that he's better than Bill Belichick. That he's willing to do this to himself. Embarrass himself. Come on, man. 
Now, listen, I'm not going to keep dogging on Brady. I'm sure Brady's going to have a nice bounce-back performance. He may have a decent season, but they're still not going to win the Super Bowl. That's a fact. And Gronkowski, Gronkowski needs to call Vince McMahon back and say, yo, remember that contract that you gave me like a few months back? Is that still good? Because <laughs> football ain't working out, man. It ain't working out. Not for what I saw. Let's go ahead and preview the Monday night football matchups that we have tonight. Right now, the Steelers and the Giants are playing. Steelers are up 16-10 to at halftime. Ben Roethlisberger has 145 yards, two touchdowns. Juju and James Washington, they both got touchdowns for the Steelers. Steelers look good. Defensively, they're holding their weight as well. They've held the Giants to 10 points. Daniel Jones is solid but struggling a little bit. 151 yards, one touchdown, and one interception. Saquon Barkley cannot get it going rushing the football. He has nine carries on negative three yards, two catches, 39 yards. Slayton has a touchdown. So the Giants are hanging in there, but they could play better. They can definitely play better. So let's see what the second half tells us about this Giants team, about this young Giants team. And let's also see if the Steelers can be able to come out, be aggressive, and extend this lead. I think Ben Roethlisberger is playing solid. He's going to have a bounce back year. He may be comeback player of the year. I got him and I have Alden Smith at the top of my list for comeback player of the year. And for the nightcap, we have the Titans against the Broncos. I have the Titans winning this game. They have too much firepower. Derrick Henry is going to explode. He may end up going for 175. Tannehill has been phenomenal since he's gotten here. Let's see if he can be able to repeat that success that he had last season. For the Broncos, Drew Locke is a good young player. He has a lot of confidence. I like this team, but I don't think that they win this game. The fact that Vaughn Miller is out for the season, this is a huge blow for this team. He is the heart and soul of the Denver Broncos. And if he's not there manning that defense, controlling that defense, I don't see them having any type of direction defensively. So it's going to be all on Drew Locke this year. But listen, the kid can handle it. Maybe the kid can handle it. I want to see how he does, but I don't see the Broncos winning this particular game. I think they lose to the Titans. I got a final score of Titans 25, Broncos 19. That's my final score. That's my hot take. After the break, we're going to talk a little Jets football. And I have a lot to say. On a Monday, it's all even. I am so stressed because I hate my job. Let me guess. You're at a dead-end job and find it hard not to press the snooze button? Well, come down to Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have campuses in Westbury, New York, Boston, Connecticut, New Jersey, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. Develop your skills in broadcast media that include audio production, television, radio, and sports broadcasting. Learn from industry professionals in a small, intimate class setting for a better experience. The hands-on training is second to none. And if you're worried about what to do after graduation, the Connecticut School of Broadcasting helps you to get job placement. Take it from me. It took me seven years to get here, and it's been the best time of my life. Go to GoCSB.com or dial 1-800-887-2346 for a studio tour. And who knows, maybe you'll be the next media superstar. Welcome back, y'all. Normally... I would come in here and I would laugh. I would laugh because I think the Jets are a joke. They make me laugh. But today I don't want to laugh. The reason why I don't want to laugh is because 
Jets lose this game 27-17. Josh Allen has 312 yards, two touchdowns. The defense was all over the place. They played great. My thing is this. When are they going to realize that Adam Gase needs to go? How long are you going to continue to make this guy screw up Sam Darnold? For the life of me, I, I, I never understood why they hired him in the first place. He was the coach of the Miami Dolphins. They did nothing. Ryan Tannehill ended up being trash. He ended up being used in damaged goods. He ended up going to Tennessee and revitalizing his career. Why is that? Why do you think that that's a thing? Because Adam Gase is terrible. I would not let Adam Gase coach my kid in Pee Wee. I wouldn't let him coach anybody at any level. He's terrible. The only time that Adam Gase had any success with a quarterback was when he was the offensive coordinator for Peyton Manning. That's a long time ago. That's how bad he's been. That's how bad he will continue to be. He's not a quarterback whisperer. He never was. When you have Peyton Manning, you don't have to be a quarterback whisperer. You don't have to be somebody who is a genius. Peyton Manning is the genius. You say, hey, Peyton, you know, I got some plays I want to suggest to you. No, I already got them. Thanks. I got five of them that I'm about to audible and take from there and there and there and we'll do something with it. Thanks, though. You don't need to do anything with a Peyton Manning. You need to develop a guy like Sam Darnold, though. And this dumbass can't do it. The players don't like him. The fans don't like him. The media doesn't like him. This guy is so unlikable that you want him to fail. You wish that the team would just stop playing and he would resign. That's how bad Adam Gase is. When you have a guy like Le'Veon Bell that you can't use properly, you're a terrible coach. You're a terrible coach. There's no way to get around that. What does he do well? I want somebody to tell me what Adam Gase does well. The best Jets receiver, he's in Carolina. The best Jets defensive player, he's in Seattle. All of these players had an issue with Adam Gase. Le'Veon Bell has an issue with Adam Gase. You think Le'Veon Bell is going to stick around after this season? You can probably guarantee he's getting traded. But the problem is that Joe Douglas is buddy-buddy with Adam Gase. Is he going to be buddy-buddy with Adam Gase enough to not fire him? Because they both can go if that's the case. He needs to go. Adam Gase should have never got this job. I don't know whose meat he had to suck to get this job. This is how pissed off I am. I'm not even a Jets fan, but I like Sam Darnold. I like young quarterbacks that can be able to push this league forward. And this dumbass coach is screwing this kid up. You have to develop these guys. Do you know how easy it is to screw up a young quarterback? You're witnessing it right now. This kid had all the talent in the world coming out of USC. Are we actually still considering Sam Darnold a young talent? I don't think so. This reminds me of what they did to Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez had three different wide receiver cores in three years. He had a different team every season. He had a different coordinator. What is going on here? There's no stability. Why does this franchise always have to burn? Why are they such a dumpster fire? 
I talk about the Washington football team more than any other team in football. This team is just as bad. They do the same dumbass stuff. They have an owner that has no business being an owner. All he wants to do is campaign the world and be an ambassador. Who the hell is taking advice from Woody Johnson? He can't even run a football team. I'm supposed to listen to you about international stuff? Why? And then he has his dumbass brother running the team. He doesn't know anything. This team is terrible. And why do they keep doing this to themselves? I don't understand. You hire a good GM, you got a shitty coach. You got a good coach, you have a shitty GM. You got good players, you have a terrible quarterback. You got a terrible quarterback, you got good players. They can never figure it out. I am sick and tired of seeing this team lose. They need to start to do things the right way. Why is it so hard? Every other team is doing it. Every other team is trying to figure out what they're supposed to do to move the ball forward, to move the franchise forward. You have a young franchise quarterback. Get somebody in here that knows how to coach quarterbacks, that knows how to be able to handle them, and develop this guy. It's not that hard. But the Jets make everything difficult. Why? Because they're a bunch of idiots. They're a bunch of idiots at the top, and it just trickles down to the stupid-ass coach that looks like he sniffs cocaine before a game. What, what are we doing here? When is this going to change? When is this franchise going to turn around? How long do Jets fans have to wait? I turned on that game on Sunday expecting the Jets to be competitive. I expected the Jets to look decent. I'm not saying that I expected them to win the game. I expected them to look like a football team, a professional football team. They look worse than the JV teams I see in high school. That's how bad they are. Le'Veon Bell is hurt now. They have a whole bunch of injuries. They have no one to throw the ball to in regards to wide receivers. They have no talent on that side of the field. What are they doing? The offensive line looks terrible. What is going on with this franchise? Is there a black cloud? And who put it there? Who did it? I can't look at any Johnson & Johnson product out there without getting upset, without wanting to be violent. That's what Woody Johnson does to me. That's how bad this team has been over the decades. All Jets fans, when you look at them, they look tired. They look haggard. I was talking to this guy one day. We were talking football. And I'm like, hey, man, you're very knowledgeable. What are you, like 45? He was like, nah, bro, I'm 27, but I've been a Jets fan my whole life. That's how old he looked. That's how old he looked. He was so beaten up and broken. So what I'm going to do on this show every week, I'm going to have the Gase watch. Anytime he says something stupid, it'll be in here. Anytime he does something dumb on the field, it'll be in here. Adam Gase will be watched and he will be analyzed by me for the entire season until he quits or they fire his ass and throw him out the door. Because that's what he deserves. The Jets have seen dark times in their history. But honestly, this is an incompetent coach. He is a dumbass. There's nothing that you like about him. I have never heard a Jets fan say that I like Adam Gase. I think Adam Gase is a good coach. I think I'm going to give him a chance. And I believe that he can be able to get this team to the playoffs. Every Jets fan I speak to says the same thing. It's like uniform. I can't stand this guy. He's a dummy. We need to get him out. It's the same thing. No matter who you talk to, 
This is a problem. They have to fix this. And they have to fix it before the season gets out of hand. You can't wait until week 8, week 10 to fire him. You need to fire his ass. If they're 0-4, get him out. If they're 0-3, get him out. This is not a coach with redeemable qualities where you try to give a chance to. He's not a nice guy. He's not a good coach. You get him out of there. Period. Give him his walking papers and get the hell out. I am sick of this team. I am sick of looking at Adam Gase, and I am sick of seeing the Jets struggle. I'm tired of it, man. Dumpster fire. That's blazing. Been blazing for 40 years now. How many more years are you going to say, oh, we're going to go to the draft, or we're going to draft this guy, we're going to rebuild? How many times are you going to rebuild? And then rebuild after the rebuild? <laughs> what are we doing here? When is it time to be serious? Time to be a professional football team instead of parading around like you are disgraceful <sighs> coming up after the break we're going to talk some nba playoffs we're going to talk about the lakers closing out those rockets and we're also going to talk about those clippers <laughs> on a monday it's all leaving yo yo what up it's your boy dj g money Representing that Flip the Script podcast. But listen, right now I'm listening. I'm tuned in. I'm tapped in to a brand new podcast called the All Even Podcast with my man Barry Grant. Yo, B, what's up, man? Congrats on the new podcast. I'm listening right now. I'm tuned in. Fire. Fire. All Even. We here. Let's go. Welcome back, y'all. When are people going to learn? When are people just going to stop with the bull? Just stop. Stop talking about the Lakers because you hate them. Just be objective. Just say, listen, they're a good team, and you know they're probably the best team in the NBA, but let's see what happens. Maybe they can be able to get some competition. I'd like to see a good series. But don't go off the ledge talking about the, the Rockets are going to beat them or this team is going to beat them because newsflash. The Rockets didn't beat them. Game 5. Lakers beat the Rockets 119-96 to to close out the Rockets in five games and head to the Western Conference Finals for the first time since 2010. What a surprise. Are people shocked? Well, they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be shocked because there was no way that this series was going to go any different. The Rockets are terrible. They're a terrible team. They've always been terrible. Why? Because they got two guys that choke and they fold like cheap loose leaf paper. That's what they do. James Harden had 30 points on 12 of 20 shooting. He had a great night. But what did Russell Westbrook do? What did Russell Westbrook do? 10 points, 4 of 13 shooting, 4 rebounds, 6 assists. That's what he does. That's what he does in closeout games. And you want to know also what he does? Talk a lot of smack when the team is getting their ass bust. He was over here arguing with Rajon Rondo's brother when the game was out of reach. What are you arguing with him for? You're getting slapped. Go sit down. But that's Russell Westbrook for you. He gets your ass into trouble, and he can't get you out of it with his play. Why? Because he's a choke artist. That's what he does. He's one of the most inefficient basketball players to ever play this game. Him and James Harden are two of the most inefficient basketball players you will ever find. Great scorer, James Harden is, but he's very inefficient. He needs the ball in his hands all the time to make sure that he gets his numbers. That's it. You look at the rest of the team, 
Where was P.J. Tucker, the defensive stopper? Eight points, five rebounds. He didn't do much. Foul trouble. Jeff Green, 13 points. Eric Gordon, five points. They were held in check. The Lakers' defense was just too much for them. The Lakers beat them from pillar to post the entire series. LeBron James, 29 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Anthony Davis finished with 13 points and 11 rebounds. Markeith Morris, 16 points. Balance scoring from everybody. Kyle Kuzma, KCP had 10. Danny Green, career high, 14 points. I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. The Lakers got going against this Rockets team. Why? Because they could. The Rockets are a small team. When the biggest guy that you have is Robert Covington at 6'8", or Jeff Green at 6'9", what are you doing? There's nothing you can do. Anthony Davis is going to have a field day. Kyle Kuzma is very inconsistent, but he ended up having a good series. But you know who had the best series of all? Alex Caruso. Alex Caruso was the X factor in this series, along with Rajon Rondo. They played great. They played excellent basketball, and that's how you want to see a team play going into the next round. They have momentum. They have rest. I think the Lakers have the best chance to win an NBA title. That's just my opinion. For the Rockets, they have a lot of soul searching to do because D'Antoni has told the Rockets that he's not coming back. What a shocker. So he quits or he steps down before they can tell him, get your bag and get the hell out because we don't want you. We don't want you. And where is he going to go to screw it up now? I'm hearing the Philadelphia 76ers are interested. Embiid, if he's interested in coming to your team, ask for a trade now. Get out of there. Get out of there while you still can because he's going to screw you up. That's what he does. He's a retread bum-ass coach that's going to go somewhere else because he's had regular season success and he's going to screw up another team. That's what Dan Tony does. Why? Because at his age, he's not making any adjustments. He's not changing. It's his way or the highway. If you're not shooting 53-pointers, you're not being effective and you can't play on his team. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. So they're going to have a whole bunch of questions to answer. They have a lot of roster moves to make. They have a lot of decisions to make. Russell Westbrook is making like $40 plus million. They can't move him. I'm sure they'll probably call OKC and says, remember that trade that we did last summer? You, you, you want to flip it again? We'd love Chris Paul back. Can, can we please have him? What did they pay for? A guy that cannot perform in the playoffs. At least Chris Paul can perform. It's just that he's always hurt. So you can't rely on him to be there. But Russell Westbrook is there all the time, and he screws up all the time. That's what he does. And James Harden, we have to now call a spade a spade. James Harden should be changed to James Soften. Shots to my man Castle for that one. James Soften, because ain't nothing hard about this man's game. There's nothing going on. There's no intimidation. You're not scared of James Harden getting 30 or 50. This ain't the regular season. The James Harden we know in the playoffs, he sulks, he pouts, he shoots bad shots, he turns the ball over, he's pouting in the press conference. That's not a leader. That's just a player. And you don't want a guy like that trying to lead you to a championship because he's going to lead you right off a cliff. That's exactly what he does every season. But... But on Sunday, man, did we get a treat. Nuggets beat the Clippers in Game 6 to force a Game 7. Nuggets win 111-98. Jokic had a phenomenal game. Jokic ended up with 
34 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists. Jamal Murray ended up with 21 points on 9 of 13 shooting. Very efficient for him. You're not used to that. For the Clippers, you had Paul George, 33 points. You had Kawhi Leonard with 25 points on 8 of 18 shooting. Kawhi Leonard, that Kawhi Leonard that people say is the new king of L.A., that Kawhi Leonard that is the champion, he's the defending champion, that Kawhi Leonard can't close out this Denver Nuggets team that's supposed to be a lesser team than the mighty Clippers. The Clippers that everybody says that they're the best defensive team in the league. They have the two best perimeter defenders since Jordan and Pippen. They have the deepest roster. They have the best role players. You know what I see? I see a team that has the biggest cheerleader in Patrick Beverly. He fouled out in 18 minutes of playing game six. Bum. You had Marcus Morris. What did he do? What did Marcus Morris do? Let's see his stat line. Marcus Morris, one for five for five points and four fouls. Bum. Who else? Montrez Harrell, 15 minutes, five points, one rebound. Bum. Lou Williams, 14 points. Not what you need out of him to win a game. Lemon Pepper Lou, Magic City Lou needs to be better. They're all playing terrible. Why? Because for some reason, this Clippers team thinks that they can just turn a switch and they can be able to turn it on when they want to. That's all good. But when you have a 16-point lead in this game and you end up losing the game by double digits, you just put that into perspective. Think about the point swing that has to happen for them to lose by double digits. This team is in trouble, and I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm telling you, God help Clippers fans if they end up losing this game. If they end up losing Game 7 on Tuesday, God help them. I will not let it rest. I will not let it rest. I will not let all this talk about Kawhi Leonard rest. I am going to continue to hammer it home because at the end of the day, I told you from day one that when you sacrifice your organization for Kawhi Leonard, the guy who likes to take 33% of the season off to figure it out because he has ailing injuries and you accept that as a franchise because you're so damn desperate to win, you'll do anything that this swindler says. This is what they've done. They put themselves in a corner. They backed themselves in a corner. And now they have to lie in that bed. You trade the world for Paul George. You have no more draft picks left. So if you guys don't win this year, and then you don't win next year, and then they decide to say, hey, well, maybe the Clippers are not where we want to be. Maybe I want to go somewhere else. Because you know Paul George is a flight risk. He may end up leaving and going somewhere else. It's very possible. What, what do you have after that? What will the Clippers have after that when these two guys decide to leave? Nothing. And this is why you don't give up your franchise to guys like this. You don't give up your franchise to frauds like this. They are not LeBron James. They are not a, a Magic Johnson. They are not a, a Michael Jordan. This is not the guy to risk your franchise for. Both of these clowns. And this is what they did. You got Doc Rivers, who he is going to be on the verge of being the first coach to lose three series when he's up 3-1. Just think about that. Three series leading 3-1. What type of choke artist do you have to be? We're going to have a completely different conversation about the Clippers if they lose this game. Even if they win this game, 
and end up getting into the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers. I'm sure I'm going to hear it. Oh, the Lakers have no chance against the Clippers. And I'm going to say the same thing that I say to everybody else. Talk to me the same time next week. So let's preview Game 7 of this series. Game 7, what can I expect between the Clippers and the Nuggets tomorrow night? I got the Nuggets winning this game 115 to 109 Nuggets advance. You know why? Because the Clippers are a bunch of choke artists. When you have Waldo George on your team, he's played well the last two games, but he's going to turn into Panic P again. I can guarantee it. That's what he does. That's what he does. The Clippers are front runners, and when they're down, they stay down. That's what they do. Denver wins this game. They head to the Western Conference Finals. They have a nice series against the Lakers, and we don't have to talk about the Clippers anymore. Period. And the other game, Eastern Conference Finals game one between the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics. This is going to be a doozy of a series. I can't wait. I really can't pick a winner. I just want to see the games. I love both teams. I think both teams are dynamic. They're tough. They're well coached. It's going to be a, 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 a series of adjustments. I am looking forward to it. Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum. It's going to be a bond burner. But if you want to get a bold prediction out of me, bold prediction game one, I think Boston wins game one for the series. Man, I got the Miami Heat winning this in six. I got the Miami Heat getting to the NBA Finals, playing the Lakers. That's my NBA Finals. Don't debate me. Turning our attention to baseball. Baseball news. I am just going to say this. I'm going to tell you all with a tear in my eye. This is the greatest moment in my life. My entire life I've been waiting for this moment. The Mets have been sold. The Wilpons are gone. Steve Cohen is now the majority owner of this team. He bought this team for $2.7 billion. It is the greatest day as a Mets fan. It's a great day for Queens. We get these bums out of here. We get these scammers out of here. We get these cheating, slimy, sleazy assholes out of here. I can't wait. I can't believe that this has happened. We can actually be a team that can profit and be a real team and actually sign big-time players because there's money. I'm not saying that we're going to be the Yankees, but at least we can spend like the Red Sox. At least we can probably spend like the Dodgers. Spend money. Put good people in charge. See the faces on the fans, the young fans happy as they're singing and dancing and cheering the Mets. And we won't have to look up and see Jeff or Fred or any of their stupid faces. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. I didn't care who bought this team. I told you that. I didn't care if it was the Hamburglar. I don't care if it was J-Lo and A-Rod. I don't care who it was. They just had to get out. Just go. Because I don't know how they ended up owning this team for this long. How you can be criminals for this long. Robbing a franchise of happiness. We have been void of happiness for mad years. It's over now. It's over. At least if we're going to be miserable, we'll be miserable spending cash on big-time players. How about that? 
That's what I want to see. Mets fans all across the world, cheer. Be happy for once. Because this is something that we've never experienced before. An owner that is willing to spend big dollars. Man, oh man. Na, 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 na. Na, 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 na. Hey, hey, hey. Goodbye. I hate you. Fred Wilpon. Jeff, too. Just leave. You two criminals need to go take your entire family, take that $2.7 billion, shove it up your ass, and make sure you go somewhere where we can't see you, hear you, or think about you. Thank you. After the break, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week, on a Monday. It's all leaving. This is a public service announcement. Down in your luck? Tired of being curved? Sick of going out with the fellas and being the only loser without a lady? Well, I got something for you. It's called Sex Panther. Legend has it that it's made out of real bits of real panther, so you know it's good. To men, it stings the nostrils. But to women, you may as well be a slab of meat in a dog pound. And that's not all it does. You could be getting ready to see that special fox and disaster hits. No money in the budget for gas, only dinner for two. No problem. The fumes from Sex Panther can give your car 38 miles to the gallon. Sold you yet? I thought so. For $69.99, go from unlovable loser to the cock in the walk. Sex Panther. 60% of the time, it works. Every time. Welcome back, y'all. So without further ado, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. We pick candidates on Monday and Friday, and then we pick the winner on that Friday show. So our first candidate for Dummy of the Week is... May I have the drum roll, please? And the winner is... John Wall, point guard for the Washington Wizards. John Wall is my first candidate for because this guy hasn't played basketball in like three years and was caught in some place throwing up B signs and high as hell, no mask, no social distancing. What are you doing, man? First off, your teammates don't like you. Second of all, what are you doing in that place with a whole bunch of dudes it just looks sus man and then he came out with some weak ass apology john wall what you need to be doing right now and i need you to listen very very closely you need to go home pick up a basketball and start to practice really really hard because if it wasn't for dribbling a basketball nobody would give a shit but the fact that you're getting paid 40 plus million dollars by the Washington Wizards, they would like to protect their investment. They would like to believe that the point guard of their team is actually a responsible guy, is actually a leader, not some guy that parades around without a shirt on in a steamy room with a whole bunch of dudes throwing up gang signs. 
I'm telling you right now, the Wizards are on the phone with the league office like, yo, can we set him up to be able to get out of this contract? Like, what do we have to do to void this deal? Because there's no way we feel comfortable giving this idiot this type of money. You already see what he's doing. He's having shirtless parties and throwing up gang signs with the money that we're giving him. He's supposed to be rehabbing. What are you doing? I couldn't tell you the last time the Wizards were good. <laughs> I couldn't tell you the last time I heard John Wall's name. I couldn't tell you the last time I cared to hear about John Wall's name. I'm going to give you a funny story. I like to play NBA 2K. And I used the Wizards one day to kind of build up the franchise and kind of rebuild things or whatever. The first person I move is John Wall. And you know what I'm moving for? A second round pick. I find the team that has the most money to just dump them. That's what the Wizards need to do. They need to dump your ass. And if I was your wife or girlfriend, I'd be asking you, what are you doing in a room with a bunch of sweaty ass men <laughs> throwing up gangs? <laughs> John Wall. Instead of the FBI looking for bank robbers, they need to turn their attention to John Wall because there's no bigger criminal in the NBA than John Wall. He's stolen so much money from the Washington Wizards right in front of their face that they can't do nothing. They can't report it stolen. They can't do anything. The FBI needs to investigate this because he is the biggest criminal in sports. Biggest criminal in sports. He hasn't played two years and he's probably collected about $90 million. Oh my God. So John Wall, you're probably the biggest criminal in the NBA and also possibly a winner for Dummy of the Week. That's all for this week. I'll see you guys on Friday. We'll have a lot to talk about. Until then, stay safe, stay cool, peace. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at All Even Podcast. Listen to the show on SoundCloud. And check out my YouTube channel, All Even Podcast. And don't forget to share, like, and hit that subscribe button. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.